0: You are now entering that one studio for the What Are You Made Of show with your host, Mike Searock, and his guest, who will be sharing what they're made of. The journey to success has been invisible until now. Sit back, relax, get your notepad ready, and enjoy the show. Five, four, three, two, one. Well, we have a big audience here today. Wow, wow. Welcome <laughs> back to the What Are You Made Of show here in that one studio. It's your boy, C-Rock, another great guest for you today. Um, this is a fellow that I met and uh, through some of my connections, and we hit it off. He's a good dude doing great things, and I had to bring him on here to share him with you all. And, you know, I want to help elevate his his uh, brand and his mission. We do that through the show, but also he's helping us because he's going to provide some some insight into what made him who he is. You know, and, and our, our guy, Matt's in the building, Matt, Matt Matthew Linklater, uh, you know, Matt, what he does is provides family office services for high income and high net worth family businesses. He specializes in helping business owners with real time accounting, tax advice, cash flow planning, and estate planning. Matt, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you, brother.
0: Hey, man, it's good to see you. How, how things go, man? Anything new happening, new and exciting since the last time we
1: talked? Uh, always, man. Always hustling. My kids are uh, 9 and 7, so got wrestling, got soccer, buying a couple businesses. So there's always uh, always things uh, moving and shaking, especially when you got young kids and you're pushing in business, right?
0: Yeah, I love it, man. I know those days. My <laughs> son's 17 now, playing football and senior season. Um, It's going by just so fast. And just yeah. take every, every moment in, man, because they grow up quick. And I know I've heard that a lot of times, but, you know, until I saw my son's senior picture... And then his graduation picture from kindergarten, side by side, which my wife posted the other day, man, I got all teared up. It didn't really hit me until then, you know. So just take it all in, brother.
1: Yeah, it's different, man. I see him, uh, see you posting online, and playing some football. How are they doing, man? They got a winning season going. How's oh they yeah, doing? they're
0: they're they're different, man. This team's different. There's something special about them, you know, like. I saw this when I was watching. Um, we'll we'll get back to the show the way it's supposed to be, guys. In a second. Oh No, 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 no. This is this is me too. No, no, no. It's all, I'll take full responsibility for this. But uh, you know, I watch. I'm an Eagles fan, and when the Eagles won the Super Bowl that year, there was something special about that team. You could just tell. And so this team has that, and I really fully feel that they're going to win the state championship this year. Like there's there there's not a lot of competition compared to what they do and the work that they put in and the coaching staff that they have. So yeah, it's good stuff and the, I'm glad you're following the journey because I'm going to keep putting some new, you know, new new posts up every every week. So um, but Matt, listen, we start to show the same way every time. And that's what the question that's written on the wall behind me. And you might have to turn your head like this, but it's what are you made <laughs> of?
1: You know, as uh, I knew you were going to ask that question, right? You ask everybody that question is just kind of thinking about it. And, you know, really what it boils down to be for me and my family is, uh, you know, you you don't necessarily always get your goals and your dreams and you get them, but sometimes, you know, you're reaching here and you come over here and it's bigger and better. Right. But the one thing I know that you get every day is the standards that you live by, right? Your health is by, do you work out, do you eat? Your standards for your kids are, you know, are they showing up every day being their best? And so leaders lead by example. And so really what drives me every day is just, you know, in the office, people are going to gravitate towards, you know, a leader that leads by example. If you don't lead by example, then they resent you, right? If people don't do what you say, they do what you do. And so I just always think about, you know, especially with my boys and business, is how do I lead by example and how do I set that standard? And So that's kind of what drives me every day. And plus, life is pretty painful when you don't live a high standard if you've been in business for a long time. Uh, yeah, I always say if you don't discipline yourself, uh, life's going to discipline you, you know? Uh so that's oh, yeah. kind of one one thing I think about. And then the other big thing that kind of what are we made of every day is inspiration. And I'm not talking about the uh Oprah Winfrey type uh follow your your inspiration, but be inspired every day, right? Be inspired to go to work every day, be inspired to go to school every day, be inspired to get up, go to the gym, be inspired to be better every day. Cause you know, you know, and I, I see this more so with my kids and, and people at work is you just don't always get the outcome. You don't always get your result, but what you can be is if you're inspired in those actions every day, you're gonna have better results. You're gonna have better better outcomes. And so I try not to focus on the outcome as much, um, partly too, because we're such high performers in our, my, uh, my house, my wife and I, is it's kind of pushing like some OCD tendencies and, and uh, AD, ADD type tendencies, because we're always going, we're always here, we're always there. And so really just try to focus on being inspired every day and doing your best and setting a high standard for yourself, uh, for your actions. So that's kind of what I think, uh, you know. When you when you ask me what am I made of, I think that's kind of what I drive to every day uh, for myself and my businesses.
0: Right on, right on. Hey, do you talk to yourself when you're by yourself at all?
1: Do I talk to myself when I'm by yeah, myself? Yeah, I'm just curious,
0: <laughs> like because uh, I do. I talk to myself. So I, I all didn't know if you talked to yourself. Yeah, all the yeah.
1: time, man. Come on. Yeah. When you get, you know, I I get up at 4 a.m. and it ain't easy. There's a lot of talking to myself at that time, negatively and positively.
0: <laughs> now, why do you get up at four? What, what what's the deal with that?
1: Uh, well, uh, my kids, right? So when, you know, I'm working and my wife's working and what was happening is I wasn't able to get to the gym. I wasn't spending time for myself. I stopped reading a little bit. I stopped getting to the gym consistently. It was really when my kids were babies. And so I just realized if I get up at 4 or 5 a.m., it's my time. And, um, I, and don't get me wrong. I go to bed at nine nine thirty, so I'm not like, oh, get up early and don't get don't get sleep, man. I get my seven eight hours. I ain't gonna lie to you on that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's really just get my me time, get to the gym. You know, there's no no nothing's gonna get in my way. Nothing's gonna derail me except for the alarm clock, right? Because it ain't always easy when uh when uh you know four thirty four a.m. hits. So well,
0: I, I asked you that question because you know sometimes I I wake up that at that time. You know, I I don't yeah. you know try to. Um, but what I've done is, and I, and I want to challenge you on this to see if, you know, cause you, you didn't sound like you like waking up at four. Like, it's not like you, you mentioned alarm clock one and, and I, I just like, I, I'm kind of like a guy that likes to, to, to throw challenges out there. So, yeah. so, so I figured out a way not to have to use an alarm clock yeah. and I figured out a way to get everything done that I need to get done and yeah. still take care of myself and have my me time, but still wake up like on my own. Without yeah. an alarm clock at the time I feel like waking up. And um, uh, you know, I just want to throw this out there. Like, uh, you know, I, I really think that there's a way to live life without having to worry about an alarm clock. You know? Yeah. And I think so many people are stuck in these things where they, they they set a time and they make a decision and it's like that's the way it's gonna be. And then they don't think about the opportunity of of the the, the spiritual beings that we actually are that we can we can do whatever the hell we want to when we decide to. So I didn't know if you did that because you had to or because, you know, I was just curious. So in talking to yourself, I talk to myself because I want somebody around me like me all the time. And I think that's the way you are, too.
1: Well, you definitely get your reference, uh, your referential index, right? So you're definitely yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not you know, it's not just the five people you're around that you're the average of. It's really who's your reference reference index. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to yeah. your point, you know, they say. I naturally, like you, I naturally get up about 4 or 4.30, right? I kind of naturally am awake, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they say spiritually, you're closest to God at 4 a.m. Just because you said the spiritual beings that we are, right? Yeah, yeah. They actually, say, So not to bring spirits, spiritual into it and ethereal stuff, but they say uh, naturally we will wake up at 4 because that's when we're closest to God. I don't know uh, uh, how true that is, but I've heard many uh, spiritual teachers say that.
0: Yeah, and and the thing that gets me with that is like, well, well, it depends on what time zone you're in. Which four o'clock are we talking about here? Are we talking about like the homeland four o'clock? Are we talk about where I am now. <laughs> like anyway, that's beyond the point. But I I, I was interested in you know because like there's other things that are said out there like uh, don't quit. Well, quitting's not a bad thing. It's it's what you quit or don't quit is the good or bad thing. It's not quitting. Right. I like to challenge all these things that people say about these, these these talking heads and gurus and people can challenge me too. I don't I don't give a shit. But um, I just don't like the thing that everybody goes by just because somebody says it.
1: Anyway, so what, what well, what's your... I agree with that, you know, what's funny is that, at, you know, all these guys I get up before I get up at three thirty. I get up at two and it's just like, you go on Instagram and hear all this crap. Really. It's about what works for you. And for me, you get the most in a day. I feel more productive at 4am than I am at 10pm. So why not get up here and go to bed a little bit earlier while you're watching TV and, and messing around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah
0: yeah yeah for me 4 a.m like i'll get up at 4 a.m but like I, I don't even know where the hell i am so it takes me a little while to get like going you know mentally so yeah. um now I, I feel you though so what's what's your story man like where did you where did you come from where did this, all this where did matt start in life and, and and take us through the journey of how you got to where you are today
1: yeah you know, i think uh you know when you look at it is uh all our patterns right we're the we're the result of who we were before we were seven, right? So when you look at it, we're in a hypnagogic trance before we're seven years old. Not to get all ethereal again on you, but we're just a blank slate. Our family's downloading on us, right? And uh, my dad was an uh, ex-Vietnam uh, guy. I think that uh, there's a, you know, all these guys that are, the masculine thing is kind of overdone nowadays, but there's a difference of those dudes that were 75 plus that were Vietnam guys coming back. It's just a different no-nonsense uh then even all these masculine guys out there that, you know, that are preaching the stuff. But, um, you know, I had a well-meaning dad and I had three older brothers. So really, it just never was good enough, you know, and they're always pushing on you. Uh, we played baseball. We played uh, basketball. We played football. I wrestled in high school, played football in college with one of my brothers. But uh, it was just never good enough. So they're always pushing you to get be better, be faster, be stronger, you know, uh, be tougher. And so I think that's really uh, uh, what kind of, you know, when I think about it, makes me, uh, my mom was a cashier at a grocery store, and my dad did heating and cooling in a big building. He was a a, a blue collar guy, and so I think that's that blue collar work ethic. And I laugh now when even you know my wife is like, "Oh, you know, just take this off," or "You could you could take an hour here," or "Oh, don't be mad at them; they took an hour off." I'm like, "Do you think my dad ever took a freaking day off or an hour off, man? Like, what? What? <laughs> we're we're soft, you know?" And so I think just that mentality of uh, growing up that way. And then my parents got divorced, and that's never easy. Uh, uh, you know, saw my dad do some sacrifices to get himself back on his feet, which is pretty, um, pretty powerful. He lived in a, a basement apartment in, uh, South Chicago Heights in, uh, in Illinois. And it wasn't a nice neighborhood. Right. But he did that to get himself back on his feet. So when you see those types of things and you have a good support system and some of it, you know, people being hard on you kind of can, can mess you up a little bit, right? Cause you're hard on yourself. You're in your own head. And to your point, uh, earlier do you, talk to yourself, definitely talk to myself, but also, you kind of got to get to that blank slate of just kind of being able to do it and go and not worry about anything. And so, I think a lot of that kind of really pushed me and made me and uh, and created that drive inside of me.
0: Yeah, and when you talk about day off kind of thing, you know, I I'm the same way, man. And I'm hard on my son. I I don't know if I was too hard on him or not. I I don't know. I just know that when he goes out in the public, people say great things about him. And so, you know, you got to pressure. Cold to make diamonds i always say and i and i I was hard on him and my wife and i would have discussions sometimes like am i being too hard on him and are you being too easy on him and all that other stuff right um but but that day off thing occasionally here or there, just having a a, a day yeah I, I agree that it's like uh you're soft but but what if it what if it makes you more productive and powerful when you do work and you accomplish yeah. more when you do you know that's the thing i always think about so i'm contemplating these things because i can't I'm not the type of dude that goes on vacation and can just chill and lay by the pool. Yeah. Like I, I can't do it. You know what I mean? I gotta be like, all right, man, we're, I'm in Mexico right now. I got a drink in my hand. Who can I meet and start doing some business with? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my wife's like, what are you doing? Do you, do you do that too? When you go on vacation? Like, you, can you sit still and chill? Or no?
1: I feel better on vacation. If I can get up and I get my workout in, maybe have a couple quick zoom calls. And then I feel at least productive that I earned the day, you know, and again, I'm not trying to say not to take t- days off. I'm saying, you know, my dad's mentality was never take a day off that you're not getting paid for. Right. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a salesperson, you know, you're, you're, you're getting paid if you're selling, right. It doesn't matter if you're at work or not work. So there's a little bit different nuance there. Exactly. Like you're saying, I'm always working, always selling, but I enjoy that. And I enjoy, you know, we live down here in Tampa. I just moved here a couple of years ago, Going to the beach. And then like you, you, you know, you usually make a few conversations, you get a couple of leads and, uh. And you feel good about it. So you're, you're productive. But uh, yeah, I'm not saying not to take days off, but 100%. I feel like uh, I got to earn my day off. I feel better. You know, if I have a few beers in Mexico or a few drinks, I feel better if I get an hour workout in the morning that I earn yeah. those drinks. You know, yeah, just that yeah. mentality is, is, so it's not really days off. It's just having that mentality, right? Of are, earning it.
0: 100%. Are you, are you the kind of guy that would be talking to everybody? Like my, wife, my wife's like, talk to everybody like I'll be sitting there. We, when we're by the pool, what i was like, Hey man, what do you do? Cause most people stick like, they're so introverted. They stick together with the people that they came with. And I like yeah. to, I like to bring people out, like bring them out of their shell. And once you do, it's like, it, it's, it's a good time. You make friends.
1: Oh yeah. All the time. You know, a lot of times going to dinner with different families on vacation yeah. and you know, their their they and you know, it's also good. Cause then, you know, my kids are a little older, but when they were a little younger, you get other kids, you don't have to watch them as much. You know, right, now they play right. with other kids. I'm not entertaining them. I'm talking to some other adults, having fun. Like you said, just sharing stories and uh, uh, learning about that. So, yeah, 100%. I'm always always chatting with everybody I can.
0: Yeah, and, I love know, it, man.
1: If I put a smile on somebody's face, you know, it makes me smile. So sometimes it's just that too, right? You know, just telling that corny joke, that dad joke, or, or you know, sparking a conversation with somebody, you know?
0: Yeah, the 100%, man. So as you got into that situation, sitting there watching your father go through, you know, coming from Vietnam, getting back on his feet, do you go through things now um, throughout your day, in the morning, at night or whatever, where you're like stressing about work, stressing about mergers and acquisitions that you're doing and scaling your business and you're like, damn, you know, I, I, I never thought my dad would be, you know, the things that went through his mind as a father, you know what I mean? And you start to come to a realization that, well, maybe that's how, why he acted or said those things or. You know, do you ever think about that?
1: Yeah, 100 uh, percent. My dad, you know, uh, was always kind of proud of me. Right. Just because, you know, you, you break that mold a little bit of the family or or for him, uh, his earnings and the risk you take. And so he just always said, you know, hey, I was afraid, you know, I was afraid to take some of those risks that you, you, you take or, or took. And so, uh, you know, that that always sticks with me. Right. It's just, hey, uh, I owe it to them you know, my mom and my dad who have done this before us, right. They've taken the risk. They put in the effort, man. My dad used to, you know, cause I do it now with my son, uh, especially recently is, you know, he used to work called six to two, whatever it was, the blue collar, co- way. But then he'd rush home and coach little league. And my dad was, was, you know, probably like the, one of the winningest little league coaches. And, uh, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be accepted in today's time, you know, uh, <laughs> Uh, but you know, just always yelling, not always yelling to the positive, but yelling to uh, yeah, negative yeah. reinforcement wasn't, wasn't a bad thing out of my dad's mouth. You know, that was the way it was. So, yeah, I think about that every day. It's just, you know, what he would say to me, that hustle, what he did, what he didn't do. And, uh, my dad was a big dude. He was like six, two was like 350 pounds. He was just like a no nonsense guy when we were growing up. Um, I got my, my, my mom's a height and weight, but, uh. Uh, so, yeah, you think about that every time. Like, what would that what would he do? What would those guys do then? You know, what was his mentality? And and think about getting drafted into war and fighting on a war you really don't know much about. You know, you yeah, fight yeah. for a country you love. And so it does. It fuels you because every day you're saying like, hey, man, if they could do it, if my ancestors could do this, uh, I owe it to them. I owe it to my mom to push every day, you know, because you yeah, sacrificed it, a lot for me, you know,
0: 100 percent, man. And what what about sports? Did you play sports and and take it very far?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh played uh uh you know, why my dad got a, a five 5'8 white guy to play basketball. Uh, I don't know, you know, me and all my brothers about my height. But we played hoops up until about 8th grade, but then uh we played football and baseball and then I wrestled my junior and senior at high school. And you know, cuz I only wrestled for 2 years, I I was I was decent, but I wasn't great, right? I did a lot of dumb things, you know. Uh but that mentality and kind of, that's one thing I wish I would have stuck with, right? Because it's you, uh, yourself, you know, you're out there. It's, you know, you win, lose. It's on you. It's not like a team and you're like, oh, well, that guy sucked today or that ref sucked today. It's really on you. Uh, And so uh, I went into college. I played uh, division three football for two years with my brother. I was a corner, um, played all the special teams. I was a kamikaze guy, like the force guy on the kickoff team, the force guy on the punt team, stuff like that. Um, And so I, that too kind of leads to, to you who you are today, right? Because if you want to compete at a high level, um, you know you're pushing every day in the weight room. You're showing up every day, you know. And so I, and, you know, uh, uh, that's led me to uh, put my kids into mar- uh, martial arts. So both my kids been doing martial arts since they were about three, four years old. The one was two and a half doing taekwondo. Now he does jujitsu and he's wrestling. He wants to wrestle in his first tournament, but he's not quite seven. And you're in the hypnagogic trance, so I don't know if I want to put him out there because <laughs> he, he got his feelings hurt on Saturday a little bit at wrestling, and uh, uh, he he went back though on Sunday, so he, he rose to the occasion. Yeah, but, I uh, love
0: it, man. My son was wrestling at eight, I think. Uh, he played golf and wrestled when he was younger, and little soccer. Yeah. And then uh, I didn't play. He didn't play football until he got to high school. So, uh, but he's big boy now, six six foot, two forty. So uh, yeah. I, I played Division three too. I don't know if we talked about this or not. What, what school did you go to? Uh, I, uh,
1: from, I'm from Chicago, so I went to a small school north of Chicago called uh, Lake Forest College.
0: Okay. Okay. I went yeah. to Salisbury University, but now it's uh, – it was Salisbury State in Maryland. Now it's Salisbury yeah. University. Played outside linebacker. So I'm, I'm nice. 5'7", Matt. I don't know if you know that.
1: Oh, nice. There yeah. you go, know,
0: man. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm Jack though. I'm built like a freaking uh, fire hydrant. Um but I played in I played football at 185, 190 somewhere in that range yeah. weight wise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so
1: Well that's a good size though for D3, you know, 190 linebacker, that that's a decent size, you
0: know. Yeah, if I was faster.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I well that's why we go D3, because yeah, of slow, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, my son's now going to you know trying to think about schools. I took him down to SEC school Ole miss a couple weeks ago and uh and those guys are huge and you know, he doesn't have a chance of playing at that, that level, but it was cool for him to see the size compared to what he's doing now and the speed and all that. So, so Matt, how did you get into working with high net worth individuals and and working with accounting and and all that jazz? What do you like, where did you get, how did you get that into that?
1: Yeah. So I came out of college, man. I worked for a small company called Oldie discount. I went to all state Ameriprise, this company called AXA, uh, all big insurance companies. And really what you do, you know, a lot of really insurance like you and I, You know, I shouldn't say you and I, but like the average person on the street doesn't like insurance, doesn't want to buy insurance. But really what insurance is, it leads to advanced estate planning. You're doing big deals for people to help offset their estate taxes Uh, and really plan for the business and key man insurance and stuff like that. But that really led to is really just understanding, you know, the needs of of small business owner and middle-sized business, mid-sized business. And so what that morphed into is I found that most mid-sized businesses, call them making a million to 50 million on top line revenue, you know? When you look at those businesses, they're really underserved. You have a stockbroker that wants to put their money in the stock market and charge them 1%. I always say, why would you put your money in the stock market when you have a business? You know, people go and invest in real estate. Now, for the tax for the tax deduction, I get it. But when you have a business, you should just be, let's double down on your business per se. Now, I'm not against real estate. I'm just saying, why invest outside of your business so much? And so, it's kind of think about that. But one is, most stockbrokers charge you 1% for your money in the stock market. Most lawyers are setting up your LLC, your S Corp, whatever you wanna be, a C Corp. Maybe they even do your trust and you never talk to them again. Most people who have a trust don't ever implement it and put it into place, right? So then when you look at uh, uh, you know finances, most people don't even know how to get financing. I helped a lady get a loan uh, from a bank in Chicago and I pit three banks against each other. One was giving her just a, a line of credit and I got the other one to amortize it over seven years. And the one who did it over seven years he thought, he thought the other guy had a better deal than us. And she walked out. She's like, I didn't even know you could do that. I'm like, yeah, you know, so what I'm saying is, you know, it just kind of morphed into that. These small and mid-sized businesses just don't have kind of a quarterback for all their deals and all their financing. Uh, when you look at a CPA, they're a historian, right? They're just take your, take your numbers off your P and L, uh, from, from last year and they plug it in. And you say, shit, why am I paying so much in taxes? And they say, well, I don't know. You know, it's just, it's what you made. So there's no planning involved in there. And so what I just found is just helping out people and, and kind of acting as that, we call it a family office. Family office is usually reserved for people who make, you know, worth 30 million or more managing their own money. So I kind of call it a finan- uh, um, a, a, uh, a virtual family office in the triangle of wealth. How do you have an advisor, uh, a tax attorney, and CPA all kind of working uh, for your benefit just to comb through all your deals, make sure you're doing the best deal. Like I have a strategy with uh, SBA financing. You know, most people think you got to put 10% down with SBA. And I have a strategy where you can put 5% down if you structure the deal right.
0: And Ooh, so it's just different, yeah, different things like, like that,
1: that, that, uh, that people just don't know. You know? so, and-
0: so so first of all, I got, a, I got a couple things for you. Number one, uh, I've always invested in my businesses and then I watch <laughs> sometimes and I'm watching people invest in all these different things. And I'm like, am I missing something here? Cause I I can't wrap my head around it, but I see him doing it. And I'm like, to me, it makes sense to bet on myself. And when I invest in my business, I can scale my business. It's like unlimited scalability. If I focus on that, I can't control when I invest in the stock market. I'm hoping that somebody does something. And the other thing, real estate, when you invest in real estate, that's a business. It's just another yeah. business, right? So to me, you know, I invest in my business and everything I invest in my business is a, is tax deductible, right? <laughs> yeah. You know That's what I mean? So, yeah. so that one. And then the other thing is, I have a question for you on SBA. So we have a property we're looking at. It's a it's a resort property in Oxford, Mississippi. Okay. And uh, we'll do this for everybody so that everybody can hear because they might bring, you know, spur up some things. And it's a resort wedding kind of event facility. Comes with a real estate. We're buying a business and real estate. And we're raising capital for it. But then I started thinking about, well, I could do an SBA loan for it. And instead of the down payment, because I'm advising on this, this, this uh, acquisition. Instead of a down payment, I've been in the mortgage business 17 years. We used to do what's called gift of equity when it was a non-arms length transaction. In other words, family selling to family. And we used to do gift of equity, and that gift of equity could be the down payment in the residential financing. Does that work in commercial financing where you can do gift of equity for the down payment part 5%, 10% down? It should be able to work. it should
1: be yeah well it should be work it can work in SBA financing uh you can, anybody could invest into the into the deal right right um and then you know uh, typically if they have more and you give them some shares or you can give them some equity or if you don't want to give them equity uh then you can kind of structure it maybe as another outside loan but then it would go on your your debt schedule. Uh the other thing is on that is so for instance sometimes you know when people want to give me money Let's give them a little percent here or there, you know, or I tell them, hey, just give give a couple percent of the business, um, you know. That way, the the money's traceable. But usually, they just want to know where the money's coming from and what are the terms but on e- the money.
0: Even if they're the seller of the business and, and real estate.
1: Oh, if they're the seller.
0: Yeah. So so we got the seller right. So what we used to do in real estate business in in residential, the seller would be the parents, right? Yeah, I they're see. Selling that. to the family, the the kids, yeah. and, the, and the son, the husband, daughter, whatever, wife. And instead of them having to have a down payment, the family would gift equity to right. them out of the proceeds of the sale for their down payment. It's interesting. Yeah, there's got a way to think about yeah, it. Yeah,
1: I would have to think about how on an SBA that would work because SBA, they want the seller out of the deal typically. But yeah. on a regular commercial loan, they they don't really care if the seller's out of the deal because you can borrow 50, you could know, buy 30, 51, 70% of a business. Uh, chances are, if it's commercial, uh bank they want you to have controlling stakes so they have first lean on the deal um but yeah that shouldn't be a problem having the uh seller put in that equity on that uh uh, on you know i have to check with the banks yeah Uh, so that's something that we're we're thinking about that shouldn't be a problem
0: getting creative with it you know i'm I'm a creative dude you know what i mean and uh and you got to work through their their guidelines and all the requirements and all that other stuff so no i love that you do that because i've been talking to some people and now that we're having this conversation i'll be talking to you more about this and and uh, see maybe we can do something. This is in Oxford. I'm going down to actually the LSU uh, Ole Miss game this weekend, so it should be a good time. And uh, oh, I'm nice. looking at the property and meeting with some investors and things. So, yeah, man. Yeah. So, so uh, with now I understand that you're looking to scale and build this business out. I don't want to give any details away that you don't want to provide, but like, what is the plan now for the business? What are you What are you working on right now? And what is your What is your theory behind it? Why are you doing it?
1: Yeah. So my thing is go go buy businesses. Easier to buy businesses than uh, than create clients or buy clients and create clients, right? You're buying a de-risked asset, so you're buying something that's already been there. You're taking their headaches uh, that they took to build it to where it is, uh, and now they've already got it running fairly smoothly, right? So you know they they spent all that time all that effort to get it to where it is. So you're buying a de-risked asset. Uh, when you go in there too, is most people just you can just do some small tweaks. Um, you know, communicate a little better with clients, sell them bigger packages, sell them something else. And so you can kind of immediately start creating less, some growth and, and some some revenue in there. The other thing is, think about this. If you buy a, a business that's a 30% free cash flow and you're putting in, say, say 5%, you know, that's roughly, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, what's that a 300% rate of return? Every year compounded every year you're in there you got to run the thing you know it's a little bit different than say real estate but real estate you're getting 7% 10% cap rates there's nothing wrong with them I'm just giving you that as an example right as a metaphor so you got a 7 or 10% cap rate on, on a piece of real estate you got to put in what's what's ltv now 20 or 30% i've heard mm-hmm. some people getting to 30% so you got to put more money in you're getting a 7% cap rate it's a little bit passive you can and know I say you don't have to have a ton of skill to manage that per se. i'm, I'm it, it, uh, opposed to a business, yeah, and so you know your rate of return a little bit lower. now people have done great in real estate. I mean, just from rates coming down to three percent, some people had sixty four percent rates of return in one year just because the interest rates look i'm i'm not I'm not saying that's not genius and that's not great. It's just uh that's not necessarily sustainable. That was just you know covid and some some you know a bull market in real estate. where over here you have. Uh, a bigger return on on your money and uh, you got to, you got to, you got to manage it, but then you keep stringing some of them together. You get some synergies, you cut some costs, um, you buy uh, businesses that have, um, you know, uh, so strategies you can bring over to this business and and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so you start creating some synergies among the business. So cash on cash, your, your, your returns better. Uh, It's a little more complicated. Don't get me wrong. So you got to manage it. Uh, but that's that's really wise. buying a, a de-risked asset, buying uh, clients rather than creating clients and uh, and just your return on your on your cash flow.
0: And are you are you finding that the operations staff stays?
1: Uh, the ones you want to. Yeah. You know, most yeah. people want a job. So if you yeah. come in and, and, you know, you don't scare them. Right. So right. it's one thing is, you know, I come in with uh, with all this hype and excitement every day is uh you know, I scare, scare, you know, scare some accountants and CPAs. But by and large, people want want to be inspired to go to work and they want to stay. Uh, you want the owners out typically because, you know, you, you've seen businesses. Owners are usually the ones kind of bottlenecking the business. Yeah. They, you know, they got it there. They're really smart people. They get it to a million, two million. You've see, read like the E-Myth. People get to two million and have a tough time breaking on or whatever. And usually it's just, you know, the stranglehold they put on business. And most business owners, they do this. They say, hey, I'm going to move this over here today and it's going to be good. And then they come in the next day and they feel like they're moving the furniture and acting like it's going to do something great. When really you got to have, you know, implement the strategies and marketing and sales and communication. And that's really what's going to drive the business. So yeah, you want, you want the people who are going to, who you want to stay, but you want the people uh, that you want to leave, leave.
0: And, and the other question I have, what are you seeing most of the time with these sellers? Like, why are they selling?
1: Well, it's never, it's never math, right? So if you're buying something like a settlement of four or five, five time multiple, right? A four or five, uh, a multiple of EBITDA, it doesn't make sense because uh uh just use easy you know easy math let's say they have a a $250,000 uh EBITDA and they sell for a a multiple of four it's a million bucks why would they sell something for a million when they're making $250,000 a year right it it doesn't make sense so usually it's it's they want to move on they're not healthy um you know they had a heart attack you know you know they're going blind or some age is catching up with them and uh, that's one of the big things. Or they want to move to another industry or do something different. They're tired of doing what they're doing. I can tell you a couple examples now. One guy's not healthy, so that's who he wants to get out. Another guy's, uh, uh, another lady is just old, aging herself out. Another guy wants to do something else, so we might partner on what he wants to do else, uh, because I'll bring those services to that business if that makes sense. So everybody's just a little bit different. One lady, she wants to spend more time with her kids.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And then you know, the plan is the plan to build this asset so for an exit.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you, you know, you build it up and you know, you just want to uh, sell for a multiple, right? So if you're buying at three or four times on the low end, hopefully, you know, once you get to a, a certain size, they sell for bigger multiples, typically five, six, seven, maybe 10 times. Like if you go public, it's usually 10 times EBITDA, right? 10 times earnings. Yeah. Uh, if you yeah. sell to a bigger player, I think multiples are going to be squeezed a little bit, right? There's higher bar uh, cost of borrowing. Uh, so that's going to squeeze the multiple, and then you know money's not as free in private equity as is. I think it has been, or it's probably going to continue not to be as just people throwing around money. Uh, but uh, but you know there's obviously still a great opportunity to create you know uh, synergies among different offices, cut some costs, implement some new strategies, and just increase. You know if you can increase um, if you can increase sales by about twenty percent and cost cut costs ten percent ratio it's like a 40% increase to the bottom line.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it makes sense, man. And so what would yeah. you do? Final question here as we wind down here, by the way, Not Matt, that. thank you for joining me, man. It's been great. And I love the chat we've had. Um, what What would you do if you exited this business? Like what would be next for you?
1: The next business.
0: Yeah. Like what, What? what is it? Do you know yet?
1: No, no, I just uh, keep going just the, the next business. I mean, a lot of times I like just working with people, you know, so, What's what's the next thing? You know, my kids are you know nine and seven, so you exit now they're teenagers. I always have that dream of doing it with them. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and they're homeschooled, and the dream is uh, for them. The reason they're homeschooled is because we, you know, I don't know how you did in school. Like we did, we did my report cards here in the garage, and the same shit they're yelling at my kids for. His handwriting sucks. He can't pay attention. He 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 needs to work harder. Like really, like <laughs> I need to work harder. They even called my young son. um, I'm just sorry to go off on a tangent. That's they right. said, uh, I think he might be lazy. Like, if you know my young son, man, he goes to jiu-jitsu. If he's not at jiu-jitsu or something one night of the week, he's like, why am I sitting at home? What, what, yeah, what are we yeah, doing yeah. here? And so, anyway. No, they're just
0: bored. So, they're not, they're not, they're, you know, like, they should tell the teacher, like, maybe you should take some responsibility to get these kids engaged. You're thinking That's that? what I
1: said. <laughs> you know, when I, when I coach soccer, right? And sorry, we're off on a tangent. I'm sorry, brother. But, like, when I coach soccer, I'm like, hey, look at me. We kicked the ball say, so we kick the ball with the inside of our foot, with the inside of our foot, you know, and I get him. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. look, engage. And if you don't do that, these kids are in left field. So I said, they're not doing this shit at school. So he's not paying attention. So yep. that great there is a leadership problem. And yep. these kids, we, I call them neurodivergent, right? I'm a, a master and trainer of neurolinguistic programming and stuff. And so I study a lot of this stuff. And so all these kids have ADD, you know, ASD, uh, you name it, OCD. And I say 90% of it is because, yeah, we have it and there's reasons why we have it. But the reason that it's systemic is because we have shitty leaders. If these people would just learn how to be leaders. We don't need teachers. We don't need teachers taught at universities. We need teachers that are taught to be coaches and and leaders and and really engage with these kids because I get it out of them. That's for sure. Yep.
0: I agree, man. I'm 100% with you, man. Yeah, they're they're getting better.
1: but. Want to exit and then just go on to the next thing, you know? It's yeah. it's always a a chase, you know. I've I've been a real estate investor. I redid uh, a bunch of houses on Western Michigan's campus, sold them, um, you know. So just you know, always kind of you know doing the next thing. But now I try to keep my focus really really uh, linear on one thing, and that is the businesses. And so yeah. you know, we get a good exit. Let's be on to the next uh, big project and and fun thing that uh, keeps growing, growing me as a person and uh, and inspiring me again, not yeah. in that Oprah inspire inspiration way, but just the uh, inspiring of getting better and, and uh, pursuing worthwhile goal and, and, well, and, and standard
0: uh, first of all. Okay. So by the way, how can people get engaged engage with you or get in touch with you? What's the best way first, Matt, before I go to the next
1: thing? Yeah, I'd say the easiest way is just my email, Matt at link dot So that's link. My last name's link later. So L I N K biz boy, Indigo, zebra solutions.com. You know, Matt right. at linkbizsolutions.com.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, look, you know, the other thing is, like, you have this thing. I don't know if you know this or not, but you have it where, you know, you're doing the business, you're focusing on that. But but there's something there. I notice this, that, you, you know, you could be, like, out there speaking and being an influencer on this topic. And then just not only that, just leadership in general um, that, to me, I know we have families. I have kids. My wife says this all the time. Like, I got to share you with the world now because you've become this yeah. brand. But but I feel when I wake up in the morning, Matt, and I, and I want to encourage you to do this, like, we have an obligation if we have the ability to impact millions right. of people, right? And so I always wake up and see that. And then when I see somebody that has it like you do, like I do, like, dude, I just want to encourage you, man, like, you know, consider that as well. Appreciate that. Okay. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, brother. I appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you all for watching or listening on your favorite podcast platform. It's your boy C-Rock here in that one studio on the What Are You Made Of show. Until next time, be unstoppable. C-Rock in the building. Rust is a must.